we would just like to begin by introducing ourselves so you can get to know some of us and some of the panelists that are here before you. So we're going to go ahead and start to my left, your right, and, uh, and we're going to go ahead and uh, introduce uh, both moderators and the panelists. All right. Um, my name is Kyle Allen, and um, I am a pastor and currently serving in the North American Division working as secretary for ASI. And this is Danny. And I am a pastor working in the Northern California Conference. My name is Tarek Patel. I am a student at PUC. I'm Leah Jordash, and I'm a pastor currently working as discipleship coordinator in Central California Conference. My name is Scotty Meyer. I work in video ministry and sharing the gospel using media. My name is Renella Kaligithi. I am a literature ministries assistant in Central California Conference. I'm Arnold Trujillo, and I'm Vice President, Pacific Union Conference. My name is Vera Onkoba, and I work as a nurse in Arizona, and I'm a follower of Jesus. Amen. Amen. My name is Adam Patel. That's my twin brother over there. And uh, I currently live in Sacramento, and I work for Apple Computer, and I love the Lord. All right. Well, it's a good thing Danny has an apple here. Um, <laughs> well, uh, we have some really good questions that were texted in this morning, and we thank you for doing that. And the first one is a question that people often have, and all of us ask from time to time. And I'm just going to say it just as it came in. How do I know God's will for my life? I think there's a verse in Jeremiah that uh, gives us an inkling of this. It's Jeremiah 33, verse 3. And knowing God's will to what I have come to discover is knowing God. Uh, when we know God, we will know his will as well for us in our lives. So Jeremiah 33, verse 3, um, as I can turn there. And God's word says, call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great, thing, great and hidden things that you have not known. And in John chapter 17, verse 3, Jesus says that, And this is life eternal, that you may know me, the only true God. And so knowing God's will boils down to actually knowing God. And as we spend time in the Word, that's how we begin to know God's will. This is something that many young people go through, um, especially in this time of our lives when we're making so many different decisions. And one thing, if I could boil it down to one thing that's really helped me is John 7, 17. That says, if anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine. I think something that's hard for us as young people is that we have a plan for our lives. And we have um, dreamt of it ever since we were young. And so really being willing to do anything God wants us to do is that first step. Am I willing to go to the, the very place that I really don't want to go? or decide the very thing that I really don't want to decide right now. Um, am I willing to do that? And so in the few um, major decisions that I've made in, in my short 24 years, I have come to the conclusion that this is my first step, is Lord, here are my options. Just to give you something practical, here are my options. And um, am I willing to do any of these things if you called me to do it? And asking God to bring me into that point where I'm like, okay, Lord, bring me to the place where I would... I'd really be willing to do anything you called me to do. 
And um, that's always been a blessing because then God is actually able to speak exactly what he wants us to tell, he wants to tell us to do. Um, I was just sharing a passage from Romans chapter 12 with um, a non-Christian person who is starting to think about following God simply because the health message is, is attractive to them. So viewing the body as a temple was a new idea. And um, he said that he doesn't know how to pray, but he feels that taking care of his body is his form of prayer. And so I, I gave him this passage from Romans chapter 12 to kind of help connect uh, how that connects with knowing God's will. And here's what it says in Romans 12, 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. And, you know, we often think that following God and knowing God's will is a lot to do with our philosophy of living and our mindset. But here it's talking about our physical bodies. Um, this will be, let them be a holy, living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And God is doing that for you. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You know, that's really exciting because I know there are many young people who are wondering, Lord, what do I do with my life and where do you want me to go? And there are some young people here that uh, may not even know um, if God is actually real. And so they may have not even gotten to that stage. And so one question that came in is, how can a young person be sure that God is real? Ask him. <laughs> no, really ask him. And not just with your mouth, with your heart. If you're serious to seek God with all your heart, he said, I'll be found of you. And there's one thing I know in my personal life is that when I, my heart got serious, God got serious. And I wasn't ready to, 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 to see him in like that powerful in my life because he came through strong. So if you want to know God is real, make sure your heart is ready. And I would challenge him on his word. Challenge him. If he has a promise in there, you want to see if it's true. Live it out in your life. See if it's going to work. And uh, he'll come through. I just want to back that up, bro, with a, with a scripture. Um, <laughs> that's my brother. I got his back. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 29. But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him. If thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Mm. Something about the cry of the soul that God's ear is attuned to. And with my testimony, it was the same thing. I, I asked a question when I was addicted to drugs and shaking in his living room. Uh, I, I, said, I said, God, are you real? Are you out there? If you are, come help me. I was desperate and I was in need. And boy, oh boy, did he show up that day. Amen, amen. Go ahead, go ahead. Um, something that just struck me this week when I was out in Mount Glacier before I came to iShare was as I was beholding the beauty of nature and the handiwork that we see. And as Christians, we believe that God created all things. And in Psalm 19, it says, the, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. And I just started thinking, wow, God has a beautiful mind. 
And as I see the beauty in nature, God is speaking to me of his character, which is beautiful. And so even through nature, through the unseen things that sometimes we don't understand, God is constantly trying to make himself very tangible to us. And in Acts chapter 17, Paul says that um, God is near us. As we are seeking him, he can be found because he's really near us. I think it's so important that we understand that one of the main ways that God reveals himself to us, um, aside from our relationships with other people, is through the scripture. And if you're willing to commit the time to be daily searching the word of God for him and for his presence and for his character, you will find him there. And so often we go to the scripture to find other things, to find guidance or truth or even our own identities. But really, um, Jesus tells us in, in John 5, 39, that you search the scriptures so that by them you may have eternal life. But these are the scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me for life. So we're looking for life in many, many places, and even in the scripture. But if we're not looking for Christ there, we're going to miss it. And that's where we'll find him. That's when we can find that he truly exists, is in the pages of his word. If we're willing to, like you said, ask him and make that commitment to search for him there, he will be found by us. Just r- real quick, I'm itching over here, sorry. Um, John chapter 14, verse 21, in, in accordance with every, what, what everyone is saying here. He that hath my commandments, you have to have a willing heart to be obedient to the word as well. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Amen, amen. amen. Um, now, on that, that topic of the Bible, what a lot of questions that we're getting in are having to do with how do, I, how do I study the Bible? How do I have a deeper walk with God through His Word? Maybe just some, some responses to that. A young person who wants to know how can they really be consistent and study their Bible? First thing for me, when I gave my heart to the Lord, I was a rookie. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. But I knew a scripture here in the same chapter, John chapter 14, verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. And I, and I live to that scripture to this day. Um, I always go to the Holy Ghost before I go to audioverse. I always go to the Holy Ghost before I go to a pastor or an elder. I trust my pastors and elders, but I trust the Holy Ghost first. And I think with us asking the Holy Ghost in faith, I tell the Holy Ghost, I'm reading Daniel chapter 11 sometimes, and I say, Holy Ghost, I don't understand it, but you said you would teach me all things, and I'm going to labor in this chapter until you teach me, and he has never failed yet. I think it's beautiful. The, the Bible is so full of such a rich history of the world and all the experiences that have happened to thousands of years of people, and it, it I, I, I'm often always shocked, Lord, there is nothing that somebody hasn't gone through. I mean, sometimes we think, oh, we live in a modern world, and we have all these modern things, and, and, and they didn't have that back then. But you know what? There is a parallel story you can draw from everything in this book yeah. that you can find just gold nuggets all throughout it. And like you said, the Holy Spirit will guide you in, in, in finding those. I think that uh, for me, one of the keys is that you look at the scriptures not to get information. Information is good, 
cognitive experience is good, but that you look to the, to the scriptures for communion, communion with the person, communion with God, and ask him, Father, please reveal your love to me in this scriptures today. Asking, uh, entering into the scriptures, not with the idea of finishing. Amen. I'm going to finish this chapter. I'm going to read so many chapters. I'm going to read so many books. There's nothing wrong with trying to go through the Bible, you know, once a year reading it systematically. But I find that for an experience with God, in other words, entering into communion with the author of the scriptures, he wants to talk to you. He wants to reveal his love, his grace to you and say, Father, I'm open. Please help me to know you, to hear you, to hear your voice. Help me to experience your touch in the word, in your word this morning or this evening. And he will do so. Amen. Amen. Thank, thank you guys for your answers. Now, we, we have a few questions that are coming in. Um, and we all know what it's like. I mean, in the morning you wake up, sometimes you're late and you're pressed for time, and what often gets squeezed out? Spending time with God, right? So I want to ask our panelists a very real question. How do you guys keep consistent in your walk with God? And maybe if you struggled with it, how, did you, how have you wrestled with that? How do you keep consistent? How do, you, how do you keep that every day reading the Bible? What do you do that keeps you on track? Um, I think the easiest way to do that, and this is what I do, is to make sure that you have a plan for what you're doing in that time because sometimes just figuring out what you're going to do takes the time that you have. So I love to do a daily Bible reading plan. I start with a one-year Bible, so it just has a reading from Old Testament, New Testament, Proverbs, and Psalms. And every day I have something that's there waiting, ready for me to read. If I'm in an exceptional hurry... I still have a passage for the day that's highlighted there that is the, the, the promise or the passage for the day that I can meditate on and focus on. Um, another way is to just get up earlier uh, and make sure that you have committed a time in your day for spending time with God. If you don't commit to that time, if you're just waiting for spare time or extra time, you know that that's never going to happen. But commit to a time and have a plan for what you're going to do. And then also record what you got from that time. Even if it's just highlighting that passage in your Bible or writing it on a note card, uh, whatever the, the most uh, pronounced passage, the one that spoke to you the most that day, put it somewhere where you can read it again. Put it somewhere where you can remind yourself. Put it somewhere where you can memorize it and carry it with you. Because if you don't have time to get into the Word, the pages of the Word, you can access the bank that has already been stored in your mind, and the Holy Spirit will use those things to work with you too. But time and plan for me have been the most important um, elements of success in staying consistent with my time with God. Um, I first gave my life to God when I was 15, and my dad had been a pastor um, my whole life up until that point. And so in the last nine years, it's been up and down, but I can say by God's grace, he's helped me to be consistent because I pray a prayer, and it's not a magical prayer, um, but I, every time um, I start to realize that my time with God is starting to wane, I say, Lord, save me from myself. Save me from myself. Whatever that means to you, Lord, save me from myself. Is it something that's getting in the way 
of um, like uh, was talked about on Friday evening or Thursday evening, an idol in my life that's taking up my time, my unwillingness to wake up earlier in the morning. Um, how, how, how much do I really value that time with God? Am I willing to wake up 30 minutes earlier um, before my crazy day to really spend that time with you? Do I value it? Lord, save me from myself. And I just give him permission to convict me of anything that I need to do as far as answering the question about staying consistent in my walk because I don't even know what's going to keep me consistent. God does, and my heart is so deceitful and wicked. And I could be thinking I'm having this awesome experience with him um, when I really just need his Holy Spirit to convict me of those little things that are solely going to become big things that are going to take me away from God. And um, so I'm sort of answering both of them, but as far as... Um, the consistent devotional life, I really agree with Leah. Um, the night before, plan your day the next morning. And that's just something really practical that's helped me a lot. How many of you have small children? They're the best alarm clock in the world. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Not to say that'll wake you up early. But learn to wake up early. I mean, look at all the great reformers that woke up at the early hours of the morning. I find time after time after time, if I don't wake up early and I don't start my day with that, it just tumbles from there on. And also a word of encouragement is uh, there are times when you may not be able to have that deep time in the Word of God. And um, I've, I personally have struggled when I've not had that time and I have a sense of guilt. And the Lord has been so gracious where because my heart is still attracted to Him, God miraculously throughout the day will feed me with manna. And so just a word of encouragement, the moments when it seems like you're not able to have that morning devotional, uh, God is right there to still woo our hearts to be drawn Amen. to him. And I'll just, I'll just say I, one thing for me is if for some reason I missed it in the morning, if I still make it a priority in the later part of the day, God will still bless. Amen. And so just don't, 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 don't lose your hold on God. You know, just because you may have missed it in the morning, take that time out, maybe at lunch or another time of the day, take that time to be with God. I just wanted to make one more comment because I appreciate what you said because sometimes it's so easy for us to talk about the ideal. And um, a few weeks ago I was on a flight and I just had one of those moments again. I was on the flight and, you know, you have a few minutes before you have to shut your phone down, right? And so I was there on Facebook checking email, you know, doing all the good stuff, the business stuff that I needed to do before the flight attendant came by and said, you need to turn that off. And I noticed that the man next to me, who was just an average guy, you know, he was wearing a hoodie and he had a, like a camo baseball cap on and he's just sitting there and he was also on his phone. And as I'm rushing to type emails and respond to texts, I glance over and I noticed that he's reading his Bible app. And I thought, oh, great, okay, here it is. I'm just coming from speaking at a conference where I'm talking to people about their devotional life. And here I sit spending my last moments on Facebook and text messages and emails, and this guy is over there reading his Bible. So he took the, the available moments in his day to do something far more meaningful than what I was choosing to do. And I think that there are, with, with technology and all the things that we have available to us, even if you don't have time, there are moments in your day that you can choose to use for spending with God, even if they're short moments, or to do something else that is a distraction that we all love and we all do. But I just was so convicted that that guy was choosing the right way to spend his final moments um, of Wi-Fi on the airplane. And I, I wrote a little, you know, a little entry, and I thanked him for it. 
just an average guy, and I, I called it a, a disciple, I can't remember, disciple on an airplane, because there he was being a disciple. And as we took off, after the flight took off, and he put his phone away, he just leaned his head forward on the bench, and I noticed that he was praying. He was finishing his worship on the takeoff, you know, so there's, there's always time. You just have to choose to use your time for that. I love that. There's always time. You just have to choose to use your time. That's a great phrase there. One of the things I'd like to jump in on, and that is to pray to God to give us a hunger and thirst. You know, we eat and we drink every day, right? A hunger and thirst for His Word. Amen. Amen. I know something that uh, God has done in my life is when I go to bed, I say, Lord, wake me up in the morning. And he certainly does well, Danny, that. Maybe you need some of those little kid alarm clocks. Maybe I do. I don't know. Hey, wait a minute. I just got married. We don't need kids yet. I'm just saying, Liz. Okay. You can't turn them off. <laughs> All right. So, so panelists, so there are some young people texting questions relating to this following subject. You know, once a person has kind of been enriched at, at home in the morning, they've spent time with God, and then they get about their day, um, and they go to school. And perhaps their instructor is teaching things that are contrary to the Bible. Um, what should they do? And what if their instructor is teaching at uh, an Adventist institution? You know, this, this, this subject matter used to frustrate me. Um, <laughs> I grew up an Adventist. I grew up, like, reading Great Controversy and all those books when I was young. I knew a lot about the Bible. I completely left, went into the world. And when I came back in, like so many people do, I came back in just on fire. And when I would hear a message that was contrary to what, what I was finding out and what God was revealing to me, I, I would just be like, ah, no, yeah. <laughs> but you know what? You, you know what? God has, has trained me to go back and know what I believe. And so when I hear things that, that hey, I, that, that's not what I remember reading in my Bible, what I've done is it's forced me to go back and constantly study the Word, and it, and it, and it has strengthened my belief system to, to, to um, know what I believe. When I was 14 years of age, uh, freshman Golden Gate Academy, that's when I became converted. And, um, and, so, and it was because of a, a fellow who came in and did a week of prayer. Well... I'm very grateful that uh, the experience that I had with Christ was something that was very personal. It was not because of my teachers, not because of the pastor, uh, but it was a very personal uh, relationship that we developed, and, uh, and I was very glad for that because I did have some teachers who were, I discovered as I watched and then I listened, uh, were... Uh, not good representatives of Christ. And I'm very glad that, uh, that I was not, you might say, trained or conditioned to look to people. Um, there's only one person that we can look to, and that's Jesus. Only one. And we do have the sources of truth in the Bible, in the spirit of prophecy. And we can have confidence in those things, and, and frankly, only in those things. People, 100%, I'm not a prophet, they'll always disappoint you. I don't care who they are, they will always disappoint you sooner or later. You get to know them well enough, you see the feet of clay. Don't look to people, look only to Jesus. Um, that's our only safety. Amen. Pastor Trio, I was just thinking this verse came to my mind when you spoke about that. 
Psalm 119.99, I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. Amen. So if God's word is our, is our meditation every day, he will give us the understanding we need. Amen. Something that I'd say too is uh, God has given us the ministry of prayer and if you're a student or even at work, if people are talking about things that are contrary to what you know from the Word of God, is you can start praying for somebody, asking the Holy Spirit to work in their hearts, to reveal to them the things that are truth. And the power of prayer is incredible because the Holy Spirit has so much power that he can redirect that mind that may be confused. And a, a scripture verse that I think of and claim many times is 2 Corinthians 4, uh, verse 4. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So just pray for a breakthrough through that mind so that they can actually come to know truth and teach truth as well. Amen. I'm at uh, college right now and I encounter this situation all the time. I'm, I'm in the class and I hear something that's being taught that I see that it's not in the word of God, it's not in the spirit of prophecy, and I look at all the other students, they're not in their head in agreement. And when I first got to the college, I'm at PUC, in my mind I'm like flipping tables over, going crazy. But God, like Scott was saying, he taught me slowly that, Tarek, you know, I do raise my hand. But at first, I, I, I would raise my hand, and I admit, when I first got there, I was a little, not a little, I was aggressive <laughs> with the truth. Like, you know, that's not it. I'm burning inside. And so when they finally get to uh, call me and raise my hand, I say the truth. I say what the Bible says. But then my spirit was all wrong. And there's a way to present truth with meekness, fear, and gentleness. I am a firm believer that the truth should be spoken. I do, because I believe there's a, there's a classroom of, of young, influ, in, easily influenced minds or people who are not in their heads. And so from now on, I still raise my hand, and, but I, will, I pray to God to calm my spirit and just let the, let the truth speak by itself, and I don't have to speak. Amen. I was just going to say, Derek, you know, sometimes we do the most sinning when we're right. Yeah. And it's sometimes I mean, we need to be righteous and right at the same yeah. time. And I think something, Tarek, that I think you touched on is we need to be meek and we need to be respectful of other people. And I know many times I've, I thought that I was in the correct and uh, because I handled it by God's grace uh, in, a, in a more meek sort of way and kind of held back a little bit to kind of see how things panned out, I discovered later on that actually I misunderstood the person. So sometimes um, we can kind of, uh, you know, by taking the right approach, we can, we're able to discern what's going on, and then take the right approach. Just kind of a follow-up question on that. Uh, for a person going to and involved in different schools, uh, whether it be high school or college, what are some good ministry ideas to prepare youth for the advent of Christ in a Seventh-day Adventist high school or college? Uh, for a person going to one of these institutions, what are some good, good ministry ideas? I've had the privilege of um, going to an Adventist academy. That's where I became converted. But then I also had the privilege of returning to that very same academy and uh, taught for six years there. And uh, when I came back, I had in my heart the idea that um, we were to practice what we preached. And, uh, and so as a, a 
the time that I became, I was a Bible teacher, I was a history and Spanish teacher initially, then Bible teacher. And we launched uh, a youth organization which we call Teen Act, Teens in, Act, in Action for Christ Today, in which we were able to mobilize the young people to go out and do witnessing and sharing in the community. One of the ministries that we had was a ministry to the public school. So we were able to visit all of the elementary, um, secondary uh, schools in the Oakland Unified School District during that year in which we presented some programs regarding smoking and the adverse effects on smoking. So we were here, all these young people from Golden Gate Academy, we were going out every, every week and, uh, and ministering to people in the community. We also had volunteers, some of the younger folks were a little shy about speaking, but we had opportunities to serve in the SPCA, the Society for Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. And so we were ministering there as well. What I'm saying is that, uh, you know, there's a scripture that says, whatsoever your hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. There are numerous opportunities uh, in, the, in the schools as well as community where we can be of service to people. We can be a, a representative of God and of our Lord Savior, Jesus Christ, in ministering to the needs of people around us. The needs are greater than we're able to fulfill, frankly. Amen, amen. Um, when I went canvassing my first summer, I was 16, and I went back to school uh, d during that year, and I really wanted to stay involved. And whoever gave this question, it's really great that you want to start ministries and do ministries, because that's going to be a blessing to you. Um, no matter how big or small your ministry is, be in ministry throughout the year. But um, I didn't know what to do. Um, so I just started with what I knew how to do. And so we started a prayer meeting every morning. I went to a boarding academy. And so the day started really early. But believe it or not, we found a group of people that wanted to pray at 6.55 a.m. in the cafeteria before the crazy day began. And um, it was only five minutes. But um, I, I just really appreciate the united prayer that we have here and just learning that type of prayer because a lot of young people feel like prayer is so boring, but when you lead them through it and help them to actually spend that time in confession and that time, it, it really is a powerful blessing as far as prayer ministry and um, also having an even finding someone on your campus or at your school that's really spiritual that could teach you how to give Bible studies. And I found several people at my school when I was in high school the, the students there, that they were Adventists their whole life, but they didn't know how to study the Bible or what, what the Bible even talked about, and so we would give Bible studies to people. Basically, um, find something to do and do it with your heart, because the ministry that you do there um, is really only as powerful as the leader is. And so if you do it with genuineness and sincerity and enthusiasm, um, there will be people that will actually really respond. Okay, quick, quick follow-up, and then we're going to have to move to the next one. But let's say someone out here is in public school. They're not in Adventist school, okay? How then do they make that real in public school? Um, I had the privilege to going actually to a public college, and I was so thankful that God allowed me that experience because it actually strengthened me in my walk and convictions as to why I believed what I did. And I developed friends who are from all faiths and people who are atheists, uh, different walks of life. Uh, but what was neat is I remember getting some of my friends, and I just invited them and asked 
some of the friends that I had developed, whether they'd be willing to just get together once a week and have a social activity, and then we would also pray and read the Bible. And I praise God for that because throughout the years, uh, these friends that I developed, not only did we study the Word and I shared with them what I believed, but God gave me the opportunity to mingle even with some of the the Baptist Student Union and different people from the different walks of faith. So just mingling. Mingling is actually an act of ministry. And in public universities, public colleges, or even a public high school, that your mere presence there is actually a witness to many of the students. Amen. Amen. Thank you for those excellent answers. Praise the Lord. We're going to switch gears just a little bit because every panel that we've had here at iShare, we always get questions about Relation. I wonder what it could be, Kyle. What I'm not really sure what that subject is. Danny knows a lot about this, so I should probably let him ask these questions. Well, um, so I'm just going to read it, Danny, because you highlighted it here. The question as it came in, I'm just reading it as it came in, okay? Ready? How to have a friendship with a female without it being intimate? <laughs> Who wants to go? For? All right. I, first go. thing that came to my mind, just keep your distance. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I, I think you should speak to this one, bro. Yeah. Yeah. I put him on a spot. Go ahead, bro. But, no, just, just a good, quick testimony about you and your wife, you know? Oh, I there think it is. Powerful. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did it the wrong way. That's why. He did it the right way. Yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, when you're young, too, it's, it's hard. You know, I, I agree with what he's saying. Keep your distance. But um, when I connected with my wife, but she wasn't my wife then. Before I connected with her, I've dated a lot of girls. I was in the world, and I did it the world's way. And when I did it the world's way, you know, there was a lot of bitterness, unhappiness. You know, it's always good in the beginning, but it turns pretty sour at the end. But how me and my wife hooked up was something I've never done in my life. She was in Florida. I was in California. We got, we, we reconnected because, uh, we knew each other. We went to school with each other back in Michigan. And uh, we were talking on the phone. She heard about my conversion experience and, and things of that nature. And she said, Tarek, I need prayer. I said, I need prayer too. And we started praying that first day on the phone. And we decided, hey, let's, let's read a book of the Bible together. So we started to read the book of John. And we went from John chapter 1 all the way to the end. And we're praying and reading the Bible. She's in Florida. I'm in California. Then we went from John to Genesis and Genesis to Joshua. Then we went Desire of Ages. And let me tell you something. I didn't even see this girl in 15 years. But I've never experienced something more sweeter, more rich with a, with a woman in my life than I did with my wife when she was in Florida d during those Bible studies and prayer. Um, we, we were both seeking the Lord, but at the same time, God put us together at that moment. And we, we got in a relationship long distance and didn't even see her. And uh, God saw fit that she would, she would fly over to California, and we got married shortly after that. I just said that to say this. You know, when, when you follow what God has, you know, put in his word and you decide to seek the Lord first, um, the Bible says, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. So if you can trust him, no matter how your hormones are kicking, uh, God got the best thing for you in the future. Amen. 
Um, this is awesome because his testimony is of a time when he, um, you know, was really seeking after God. God had brought those two together and in God's time, as they were old enough to be married and things like that, they were able to talk about these deep spiritual things and God bonded them in that way. Um, I will just speak straight up to you. Um, when you're 16 or 18 years old in high school, it's not the time for the men or the boys or the men to be um, trying to be intimate with the girls and the girls be intimate with the guys. The reason being is the point of being intimate is um, getting to know one another and looking for marriage, right? Well, I just want to tell you this, guys, is that for you, perhaps being intimate means being close to the girl. For the girl, they are um, emotionally bonded to you. And so you don't even have to be close to them. You don't even have to, like, see them. But it's in a book that I read, it's called The Boyfriend of the Mind. Um, we become emotionally attached to guys who, um, who say certain things and who um, we talk to about deep issues and we're like, oh, we just have the same calling in life. And man, you know, we were born in the same place and we wore the same color of shoes today, you know, and like the, the emotional bonds it's very real, and if, if I can just be real with you, when I was a teenager, um, you know, I'm just speaking from a girl's perspective, it's very easy for girls to be emotionally bonded to guys that they didn't even like, you know, like a year ago or half a year ago, just because that person showed, um, you know, some attention to the girls. And so as far as being intimate, um, you know, there are such things as friendships between genders, obviously, but, <laughs> but for guys, um, just being careful that the things that you talk about with us um, are things that are not so deep, so emotional. We're not spilling out our feelings to you because in doing that, when we start spilling our feelings and emotions to you, we start liking you. And so if you don't want that to happen, try to, to keep the girl in boundaries. And I'm obviously speaking from the girl's perspective, um, but if she starts talking about things that are very emotional and deep and feeling oriented to you and she doesn't do that to anyone else, put a, put a stop to it and just say, oh, well, I'm praying for you. It'll hurt her for a second. It'll hurt her, but she'll realize, oh, you know, he kind of doesn't like me and then she'll go on her way. Okay, so that's just one practical thing. No deep talk, guys. None. <laughs> you know, I think one thing that helps too is, is group setting. Yes. You know, a lot of one-on-one -on -one time, you do build those bonds. And God set it up for a reason that way. And so, you know, a good thing to be when you're young, you know, get in the habit of, of being together in groups and, and having um, group activities. The one-on-one the -on -one can be dangerous. <laughs> um, just kind of piggybacking on what everyone else has said, you know, we know that this is hard. This is a hard issue. And, and all of us have had to face the choices that we wanted to make. And I do want to say for those of you who have made choices that maybe you're not so happy about now and you'd like to change the kind of choices you make, it's possible. Amen. You can have a relationship where you choose something that you're not happy about and then the next time you can do it better. Um, but one of the most important things that I found in my personal experience is to, to know your boundaries before the, the heated moment. Right? Know already what kind of decisions you want to make. And if you're to that point in your relationship as friends to discuss what kind of boundaries you want to have between yourselves, it's even good to discuss those and then hold each other accountable. 
Uh, being alone together is just never a good idea unless you want to have some experiences like that because it's just the way it goes. Human nature, the way God created us, the attraction factor, those things are very real. So we have to take responsibility and set those boundaries and invite other people into the circle. And if we find that we're on the phone too much or that we're together late or if we're alone in a room or whatever and that's happening more and more, it's time to reevaluate re the boundaries and to make an agreement of where you want that to stop before the moment where your mind isn't working anymore comes. You know, because at some point the mind loses its ability to function and the body takes over. So you want to know what the mind wants to do before the body decides Amen. to take over. Amen. That's right. You know, Kyle is my witness here, but it seemed like we started touching on the subject of relationships, and it's like we started getting bombarded with questions. We did. And... Um, you know, we, we, we're just relational creatures, right? Amen? So let's just jump right into it. How does one person know that they are to get married? What are some steps that somebody should take? Um, what are some principles that they should consider when looking into, when, you know, when considering a future partner for marriage? No, I think there's a, <clears throat> there's a lot of scriptural uh, injunctions regarding not being unequally yoked together. Um, I think that um, there's a lot in the writings of Ellen White, Messages to Young People, other things that I think are extremely practical and extremely helpful. And um, if I was in that age, and I'm way past that age, um, I would, it, uh, and, I, I'm, and I'm very grateful that uh, shortly after my conversion, I read the book, Messages to Young People, and so I had the opportunity to have implanted in my brain certain principles and certain ideas. Um, I think those ideas are protective for us. Um, in other words, the idea of um, seeking a partner who shares your values, who shares your ideas of the authority of scripture, shares your ideas of wanting to be of service, service to God, service to others, and, um, and then um, going and participating in, with groups or organizations where those kinds of young people are involved in, like iShare, for example, or other activities where you have the opportunity to see each other. Go to uh, mission trips where you are able to see one another uh, in, you might say, in a different kind of environment where there may be a level of stress. And, uh, and you have a chance to see each other as, as you know, you really are uh, and, and become friends. Uh, uh, you know, marry your best friend. I mean, become friends with the people that, uh, that you're looking at, etc., and you're considering. Get to know them. Get to know their parents. Uh, get to know their siblings. How do they act? How do they behave at home? Uh, are they somebody that needs to be uh, babied, uh, cared for, etc.? Because they'll be expecting that, looking from the man's perspective. Um, they'll expect that also. Are you able to provide? Uh, do you want to provide? Think more beyond the feely, touchy, you know, warm, emotional, sentimental. Try to think more beyond that, you know, try to anyway. Uh, because um, Marriage is, um, marriage is a wonderful institution, uh, but you have to not only, you might think this is a kind of a funny statement, but 
you not only have to love the person, you have to like the person. You have to enjoy the person. You have to, you have to like to hang out with the person. Uh, you like to, you know, do stuff together. Um, so explore those things uh, in, the, in the time that you are thinking about it. And there are many, many, many wonderful, wonderful young people. And seek ye first the kingdom of God. God will guide. God will lead. And uh, he wants us. He, he instituted that. Hello, you know. Mm -hmm. Sabbath and marriage is what came out of Eden. So he's into that. So it's not like he's against that in any way. And so he wants to, he wants to guide you. He wants to bless you. He wants to lead you. Okay. And, and, and thank you so much, Pastor, for that answer. I have a follow-up for, for anyone to answer here. We have a number of questions that came in, Danny, that have to do with how do I distinguish between what is real love versus what is lust? And um, I'll, I'll ask kind of a, a double question with that. If someone out there today is struggling with lust, what should they do? Because this is a big topic in our generation today. The first verse that comes to my mind and... Um just a little bit, I, I've not been in a relationship, but what God has taught me throughout my journey is as I transparently give him the thoughts in my mind, because God loves us so much that he, he says he knows our every thought. Even before we think a thought, he knows that thought. And so one of the things that I personally have uh, been journeying through in life is learning how when I think something, I tell God, right now I'm thinking about this. And I, I know that this is not appropriate, or I know that didn't come from you. And so really dialoguing with God through my thoughts has been such a blessing. And in 2 Corinthians 10, verse uh, 5, it says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. And so just really being transparent with God about what we're thinking because God wants us to be close to him and the way to be close to God is even through our thoughts, just being open to him. The definition of love, and I thank God it's here in the Bible, is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So study that thing out. That's what love is. And then you would see clearly the difference between love and lust. Also, lust is flesh-driven. Love is principle-driven. And if you're wrestling with lust, the Bible also has the answer for that. What I do, when I, whenever I wrestle with anything, I do what my sister says. I tell the Lord, I'm wrestling with this. Then the second thing I do is I find a scripture specific to what I'm wrestling to. If I have a problem with watching uh, rated R movies, I love my, or superhero movies, whatever they may be, I, I claim that scripture, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. And then I claim it, and I say, and I believe in it. And you know what happens is, is found in Second Peter chapter one verse four, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Amen. You have to exercise your faith in the Word of God. That is your ticket to overcoming everything in this world. I just want to kind of speak to the whole marriage thing. You know, if, if you're approaching a relationship thinking about what you can get out of it, you are not ready for marriage. 
because marriage is not about what you will gain. It is about what you bring to the table. And if you're not focused on what you're bringing to the table and making sure that what you bring is something that someone else wants in a spouse, um, your focus is in the wrong place. My husband and I have been married 18 years now, and that is not an easy road. So we speak from the trenches, you know, of courtship and dating and marriage and, and parenting and all of those things. And we have realized when, our, when we're having our worst times, it's because we are focused on ourselves, each individually focused on ourselves and our needs and what we can get out of it. But only when we're willing to be humble and self-sacrificing and then to think about what can I give to my spouse, can we get out of those ruts and we can bring healing and growth in our marriage and we can bring enthusiasm and excitement for our future even after this much time has gone by. So, you know, continue to have conversations, not just about the logistics of your life, but about things that you're interested in, about things that you're excited about, and make sure that you are the kind of person that someone else would want to marry. That's the best way to know that you're ready for marriage. One of the things that uh, uh, I'd like to suggest is that um, love is about benefiting the other person. Uh, lust is about benefiting yourself. And so the genesis of the two are totally different. Um, uh, Leo mentioned that uh, she's uh, and Costa have been married for about 18 years. Tomorrow, I mean tomorrow, uh, next year, December 18, um, is going to, no, no, December 19. Hello. <laughs> it's going to be right, 50 Pastor. years. Amen. 50 years. So we were married relatively young, and uh, we have uh, weathered many different things. And a number of the things that um, I continue to learn, I, I don't pretend to say that I understand. No, no. We're not called upon to understand everything about our spouse. I, after almost, you know, 40, almost 49 years now, uh, and... Uh, I can still say, I don't understand. Uh, we're not called upon to have to understand. We're called upon to love. Uh, husbands, agape your wives, Paul says in Ephesians. Like Jesus loved the church and gave himself. Husbands are called upon to give, not 50%, not 51%, 100%. And to give, not for one's own benefit, but for her benefit, to, to love in that way, to give in that way. And so the, the model is not another person, it's not your father, it's what Jesus did. He's the model for us, for men, that we are to love in that way and to give in that way and to sacrifice self in that way. If I may, just a little thing. I know you guys are looking at me. Hang loose. The... Um, you know, I grew up. I'm giving you a hard one after this. I grew question. up in a Hispanic home, and we had very clear definitions of roles: the male, provider, and protector, without, without question, etc. Women and the outside. In the house, we divided up responsibilities. I was responsible for cars. I was responsible for the outside, etc. The house, outside, etc. My wife responsible for inside. And so, kind of like 
and never the two, the twain shall meet, right? Well, by doing that, I, it, it was like the Holy Spirit kind of hit me beside the head with a two-by-four. By my unwillingness to learn, for instance, how to cook, all right, that's her responsibility. My responsibility is different, her responsibility. But by my unwillingness to engage in her world and being willing to participate and to help in her world, I was unconsciously demeaning her life and her person. It was like the Holy Spirit talked to me one day and said, hey, have you ever heard of the incarnation, uh, Jesus becoming a part of the human family and entering into our life because of his great love for us? Arnold, should you not be willing to enter into her life and be willing to do her work because of your love for her? And so I had to come to her. I mean, this is after 20, 25 years of marriage. And I said, sweetie, the Holy Spirit just told me something. And I just want to tell you, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. Please forgive me for my, what I have done or not done and what I was communicating. That was not my intent. Please forgive me. And because she's a gracious, wonderful human being, uh, wonderful, wonderful Christian, she forgives me. She forgave Amen. me. She's had to forgive me over the years. As Yes, I've had to forgive her a few times too. But what I'm saying is to, to you is that love is not about my rights, my, you know, the person's thing. It's what can I do to serve and to love and to embrace and to empower and to help your spouse. All right, Pastor Hill, I'm just going to cut in here. Since uh, I'm going to ask you a question, and the others can respond to this too. This is one that Danny and I thought would be good to ask, a real practical one. Very Are you good. ready? You're asking me? Okay, yeah, I'm, at, I'm looking at you, Pastor. Okay. This is a hard one. Well, okay. okay. The rest of the panelists could chime in after All right. Pastor. Go is for it, it brother. O- is it okay or not okay to kiss before you're married? Yes. <laughs> All right. If I could just say something really quick to, um, the, not to that one, to the last question. Um, I read in 2 Timothy 2, 22, it says, flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. I was not fully convicted about this verse until just about a year or two ago. I really struggled with lust. And I'm not afraid to say that right now because I know most of us in here do. And I'm just the only one saying it. Lust is something to be fled from, um, to actively flee away from it. And it takes determined effort. Most of us know very well what lust is because of how we grew up. We watch the movies and we see it right before our face. We don't even know what true love is anymore because of the movies we watch, the music we listen to, even if it's just harmless love songs. But they paint a picture in our minds that are so opposed to what the Bible teaches. And I just wanna encourage each one of you to study 
this out. And really, you know, if some of you haven't ever even asked the question, what is the difference between love and lust? We should be asking that question because it's going to come uh, bite you in the behind later on, even when you're married, if you don't know what the difference between love and lust is now. That's why we see later on, I mean, 50% of marriages in America ending in divorce. And we don't want that. And the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. None of us are sitting here wanting to, that to happen to us. And yet I encourage you, if you want different results, to study out what does this mean? To, how do I not think these things in my mind? How can I understand what true love is and put away, flee from lust? That should be uh, something that we all long for today to get victory over. Amen, amen. I think it's a really good comment that you're making, Ranella, about love being not about what you get, but about what somebody else gets. We just have literally one minute left, so as we close out, <laughs> panelists, do you have some final words to the young people here in the audience that are living right before Jesus comes back? Just some final short words in our last minute that you would like to give to the people living um, right before the end of time, right before Jesus comes back. Just my favorite scripture. I want to end with a scripture. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Amen. Amen. Uh, one of my favorite quotes uh, is from Desire of Ages, where a spirit of prophecy says, um, there is no limit to the usefulness of one who, putting self aside, makes room for the working of the Holy Spirit and lives a life wholly consecrated to God. And my joy that I have, the Lord has come to give me is, as I just say, Lord, use me to the uttermost, use me to the max. I want to be so radical for you. Uh, the beauty is God has done so many things, not only in mind, but I know he longs to use every one of us to do amazing things wherever we are and with whatever we have to offer him. God will use us if we're just willing. I wanted to just make a quick comment about the kissing. Um, <laughs> and then something more profound after that. But um, That's profound. You know, kissing is a wonderful thing, and so is hand-holding and embracing and all of those lovely things that we enjoy um, and that we can enjoy within the boundaries of a Christian dating relationship. But let me just say this. If you're kissing someone for longer than 15 seconds and you're not married, it's, it's too long because it begins to awaken the passions um, and, and you, you tempt yourself to a place where you may not be able to resist. I mean, if you're going beyond the bounds that God has designed for us, just keep it within certain boundaries. 15 seconds is too long, people. I'm sorry. And then you got to pay attention to what your hands are doing during that time as well. Um, <laughs> Just being, seconds, just being straight here. Hey, but um, <laughs> one second's too long. It's just, it's just too long um, because we, we know that the secret to a long and happy marriage is a, at least a one 15-second kiss every day. So if that's what keeps you together, it should not be happening before you're married. Amen. No, sir. This is... <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Uh, that's okay. a fun one, but um, I what just want to. Yeah, the my more other profound? thought, very quickly, is just to reiterate um, what Adam was saying. Um, one of my favorite passages is found in Second Peter, and it says, uh, starting in verse three 
of chapter 1. His divine power has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. But this is how it comes, through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And it's a knowledge of Jesus that gives us access to that power. It says, through these, through his own glory and goodness, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires, which was quoted earlier. But I like what it says next. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't let your knowledge of Jesus be ineffective and unproductive because you aren't willing to grow from where you are. And you know what it says? In increasing measure. That should be good news to all of us because it means that there's room for us to journey to the place where God wants us to be. And we take it one step at a time, but we add those things in increasing measure intentionally through our knowledge of Jesus Christ. And through that, we have everything else that we need. Amen, amen, amen. I just want to leave you with a quote that um, I always have to come back to no matter what my experience has been. And it's in Steps to Christ, page 52. Some seem to feel, remember this, some seem to feel that they must be on probation and must prove to the Lord that they are reformed before they can claim his blessing. But they may claim the blessing of God even now. They must have his grace, the spirit of Christ to help their infirmities, or they cannot resist evil. Jesus loves to have us come to him just as we are, Amen. sinful, helpless, dependent. We may come with all our weakness, our folly, our sinfulness, and fall at his feet in penitence, it is his glory to encircle us in the arms of his love and to bind up our wounds, to cleanse us from all impurity. Though you may fall, keep coming back to God. Keep coming back to him. Uh, just what I would suggest is seek ye first the kingdom of God. Uh, the God that we serve knows our name. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He loves us and wishes to save us. Allow him to be not only your Savior, but the daily, moment-by-moment moment, Lord of your life. And he will save you. He will. I love Philippians 2.5. I just, I love it. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. I, I long to have his thoughts, his, his mind in my mind. And so I, I think if we seek that and we... we truly, genuinely ask the Holy Spirit, not my will, but yours. Mm -hmm. let, that, let that be. Amen. Amen. Derek, last word. My, my thing that I'm just thinking about is go all in with Jesus. Yeah. Just go all in. Give yourself wholly to the work. Commit yourself 100%, because when it comes down to it, that's what it's about. Yeah. Disconnect from the world. Go all the way in with Jesus. He's going to go all the way with you, yeah. and you want him to take you places, you're not going to be ready for where he's going to take you if you're ready to go in. So just go in. That's it. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, amen. I want to say thank you to our panelists. Amen. amen. You guys did a great job. Praise the Lord. And we want to close with prayer. And so, Elder Trujillo, would you mind uh, having a closing prayer for our time this morning? Beloved Father, we just thank you so much for the privilege that's been ours to be able to be here together, to be able to listen and to communicate 
We ask you, Father in heaven, that you please bless us. You know us, and we long, Father, to come into a closer, closer relationship with you. Make us not only, Father, professors of your son, but make us, Father, practitioners of his grace. Come near to us and bless us, and bless our loved ones, Father, and save our loved ones, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.